Hello, welcome to another episode of Generation Zenial. I'm Keith here with Vinny, and last night was the second, I guess, and final presidential debate of the 2020 campaign season. And it was definitely a big contrast from the first debate, which was chaotic, all over the place, uncontrolled mayhem, if you will. And this one seemed like a a regular debate, like what you should expect out of a presidential debate. Um, You know, my friend even said she was bored at one point. I'm like, you're supposed to be bored. It's not supposed to be riveting um, gotcha TV. It's supposed to, you know, be about policy and about what they're going to do as president. Um, Vinny, what was, (laughs) you can talk about for an hour. Yeah, I I feel like I, I could probably talk about this debate for an hour. We, you know, it doesn't need to be entertaining you're right about that it's it is, it is a debate it's supposed to be a presidential debate about policies and um compared to the first one it's that's exactly what i think people needed um i don't know if that made trump look better in, in some people's eyes because he was he was definitely more reserved well i think uh, my friend on facebook made a very good point he's like you know the, he's like he predicted beforehand he's like the pundits are going to say that trump won it because trump already set such a low bar for himself that if he does anything besides that, he's going to look good. Well, that's an interesting point you make too, because I think you could say the same same thing about Biden and what Trump did before the first debate, um, calling him Sleepy Joe, and oh, if he's able to stand up for an hour, he'll he'll be <laughs> he'll be fine. And that's you know that's a big wrestling thing is you don't you don't knock your opponent like that because then if you know you're booked to lose, you you just lost to a nobody, right? So I, I you know. You, yeah, you know, you set that low bar, and it's not hard to hard to jump over it, and then you look like a you look like a miracle worker. You look like a you look like a hero. But um, but yeah, I thought you know the debate ran a lot smoother with the mute buttons. Um, I also think it was a strategic. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was a strategy, you know, to to just kind of come out there and. And, and have a debate. And I think Trump really tried not to scream at, to scream at Biden. He really, yeah, I think someone got in his ear and was like, listen, you, you need, you need to calm down a little bit. You right. know, people, are, this isn't working out for you this time. You know, it's not, the, it's not the same as 2016. You need, you, you need to come out and you're, you, you can't beat up your opponent as much. You just come out and you know, it, did it work? We'll see. We'll find out. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what the polls are going to say this week. Um, or if it's even going to matter, because a lot of people have already voted. This is over, you know, 16 million people. I think it was the number last number I heard. People that are, have already already voted in early. Uh, yeah, I can't even talk today. Early voting or mail-in ballots. Um, obviously, all those people. You know, I was watching it last night. It's like we're just watching it to watch it at this point. We already voted two weeks ago, so it's not like it's going to change our mind. I mean, it wouldn't have changed my mind eight years ago. So, um, right, I I'm, voting, I'm voting tomorrow. I, I, I go, I, I've gone on record last night. I said, I would vote for a dirty gym sock against Donald Trump. Dirty gym sock might have better policies. Yeah. You know, Trump tried to get his digs in. He tried to get the Hunter Biden story. He tried to push that narrative. Um, well, you say it's know, not like 2016. I feel like they're, I feel like they're just pulling the 2016 playbook emails. That's what they have, right? Or, you that's, know, what, it's like, that's what they know. They, they, they know how to, they know how to, um, you know, I, I was really surprised, to be honest with you. I always, I thought the middle of October, the FBI October surprise, I really thought he would have had Bill March, Bill Barr out there and would have 
said, you know, we're investigating the Obama Biden administration for spying on us. Um, you know, the 60 Minutes interview this week kind of he tried to push that narrative again, um, and that didn't seem to work out in his favor. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the when the episode actually airs. As we know, he, he released his footage of the six right. minutes interview, and, which, and he which comes I thought was like, crazy. By the he way, looks, he comes out looking like a, like a like a crime baby. To be honest with you. Yeah, he he releases the footage on his own, which was against the so it, it was against his agreement with CBS. Anyways, like you're not supposed oh, yeah, to. Yeah, you're not. Of course, you're not supposed to. But um, he doesn't care about those kind of things. Oh, obviously, he doesn't care. But it's like first of all, so you violated this agreement that you had with CBS, and then on the second part of it, that is, um, yeah, he put out. You know, I was scrolling through Twitter, or whatever. I saw a post about it. It was on his official Facebook page. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna watch part of this. So I watched like 20 minutes of it. I'm like. Why would you post this? It doesn't make you look better. It makes you look worse because he's, he, he doesn't let her finish any questions. Like she'll be in the middle of asking a question and he just stops her and like starts talking about something else instead of letting her finish the question. And then he's, he's here and there and he looks agitated and he's just very, being rude and it doesn't make him look good. It makes him look like a jerk. Well, that's the question. You know, does it, it does it make him look, bad to us but does it make him look good to his supporters because that's where that's where he's at right now he just needs to fire up his base he needs to get people that voted for him in 2016 to come out and vote again and he think he thinks that's his that's his path right he's not going to win over us like you said you'd vote no. for dirty jim sock um you know i, I was never going to vote for the guy i would rather not vote than vote for him to be honest with you um i'm still i still might vote for the green party candidate just because i live in new york um, for any listeners that don't live in <laughs> that live in swing states, please don't follow my lead. Um, <laughs> right. but, I did that. I did that once back in 2000 in Connecticut, so we did, it didn't really matter for us either. Right, and that's the thing. You live in Connecticut. I live in New York. We're, we're our, our our states are pretty much locked in. Um, they're not going to go red anytime soon. Um, but you know, if you live in Florida or Pennsylvania, please, please vote for one of the two candidates <laughs> on the ballot. Do not vote for Kanye West. No, that's scam. That's uh. That's a that's a, that's an interesting story on its own. I really haven't even looked into that that much, just because. And I feel like that so that, ridiculous. That that, that would backfire on Trump more than Biden, anyways. Well, I think I, well, it's, it, Trump is backing Kanye in the, in that. Um, even even some of Trump's lawyers, I think, were involved in Kanye's oh, yeah. running. I, I I heard that, and I, I honestly, I think it's just it's basically a racist thing to try and get out the black vote to not vote for Biden. Exactly, but if you take away if you get them voting for Kanye, they're not voting for Trump now. But I don't think that's Trump's, that's not Trump's goal, right? Trump's goal, that he has his base and he knows who's going to vote for him. That's it. He needs to, he needs to take away votes, votes from Biden. And because that's how he won in 2016. I don't think anyone voted, voted for him because they, I don't think the election mattered on, on, on his votes. I think it mattered on people not voting for Hillary Clinton because Hillary Clinton was just so despised by the American public. Totally, you know, I, I mean, she, she's, there's been a 30 year hit job on her career. Like uh, the, the entire, both Clintons, they like for 30, 40 years, they've been attacking the Clinton family, even when they were governor way back yeah. when, you know, it's been a Republican tactic to attack the Clintons. Um, and well, that's the thing. It's been 30 years no of just getting, getting drugged in the mud. And you know, it's some, and some of them, some of the criticisms are definitely warranted. I'm not going to say they're not. Yeah. I mean, um, she, wasn't, she wasn't a great yeah. candidate. Um, and that's the problem. You put up, you put up her, and because she was a Democratic establishment person, no one was, no one legit was going to try to run against her. 
you know, you had Bernie trying to run and then you had some other guy who dropped out. I can't even think of his name anymore, but no one else threw their hat in the ring. Like, Oh, Hillary's running. We're not even going to bother trying was right. their point of view. But then the, the voters, they realize that's happening. You have a large part of the population that says, you know, that came out for Obama for twice in a row that just doesn't come out at all. Cause you know, voters, votership was down. Um, and then you have people, I, I know people that just would never vote for Hillary Clinton. Oh yeah, me too. And so they're going to vote for Trump. Even if they don't like Trump, they're going to vote for Trump. Who were so anti-Clinton that they actually did vote for Trump. But this was back, this is too, remember 2016, we didn't know much about Trump, right? I mean, yeah, he, he had a he had a personality and, you know, TV personality and he was in the spotlight for, you know, our entire lives, you know, especially right. growing up in Northeast and, in, in, you know, his was around, a, around he, New York City. because he, he was a the, TV he was personality. The, he was a TV personality. Before, even before that, he was a, he was a real estate mogul, I guess. <laughs> that's debatable, but anyway, that's the, that's the image that he presented himself as. Um, you know, being wrestling fans, we both remember WrestleMania four and five at uh, Trump Plaza in, in Atlantic City. Well, I mean, I so think he always, he always had a, he always had right. an image. So people there's knew Trump, him to his Trump image. Power, right? he was a celebrity. The casinos, which are yeah. trash. People knew him as a celebrity. He didn't have, a, but he didn't have any policies that he could that he, that he oh. could attack. And, but it wasn't until Obama was president that he really started making a political name for himself. Although, I mean. He did have things, you know, about the the Central Park Five. He spoke out against that and calling for them to be, you know, death penalty. Um, so he's definitely come out over he's the years. He's been saying he's going to run for president since like two thousand. Like that, that's oh, that's what you know, has been. Big they had lines. the whole birtherism thing with Obama that he was pushing on Fox News all the time. And that's the thing. He once he became friends with Fox News, he had a phone line. He could just call them at any moment, and they would just put him on air. Well, so we yeah. talked about last time too is the, you know, yeah. he, the way he he is able to work the media, was, right? Is, it should be a, should be a lesson. Should you, know, you could teach a class on that? The way he was able to just work the media, get airtime, get exposure, um, mm-hmm. get accessibility, and and that's what got. I mean, he he ran over the Republican primaries because they were not ready for that, and I don't even think the Democrats were ready for it. I don't I don't think they had an answer to to Trumpism. Well, they they didn't have an answer to reality TV. I don't think they still do. (laughs) Well, it's a problem. It's like, you you know, that, that is still the the downside of having traditional politicians in there running a traditional politician game against someone who's an outsider and non-traditional and also a little crazy. So um, put all that together and you have this force. That's just like, how do you even try to compete against that in a logical sense? It's hard to do. Again, like, you look at Jeb Bush in 2016 um, in the primaries, he was just blown away because everyone thought like Jeb Bush was going to run away with that election. Right. Everyone the Oh, Bush, 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 Bush. It's Bush is back. You know, Jeb Bush, he's, he's a, he's a moderate Republican. Um, he's, he's someone who could, who can run against Clinton because she's, she, you know, she's, a, she's a moderate liberal. He's a moderate Republican. It'll, you know, it'll work itself out and hopefully it'll, it'll work out in his favor. Like it did for his, for his brother in 2000. But then Trump came along and just smashed that and was just like, I'm here, I'm loud, I'm taking over the party. Mm-hmm. And it worked. And and that big part of that was the way he manipulated the media. And when I say manipulate, he just used the media to, you know, he, he yeah, they're gonna take his call, right? You got a presidential candidate, especially someone with the popularity that Trump does. I mean, you gotta, you gotta remember Trump still has forty percent of the nation behind him. He, right. he always has. I mean, I think I don't think his numbers have dropped lower than what, thirty eight percent? Yeah, his his core base is always going to be there because they're just like ride or die with Trump for right. whatever reason. So if you can have forty percent of Americans 
tuning into your channel, it's still a pretty big number, <laughs> right? Oh, Trump, oh, I want to hear what Trump has to say. And even people who don't like him, always well, want to like, hear what he has to say. Because he he's always going to come out and say something. Well, it's something fun. interesting. He's he dominated the media so much, like whether it was good or bad, you know, he'd hold a rally and say something stupid. So now the talk, the guy talk about on NBC and C CBS and CNN, everyone's talking about it. It's, it's FaceTime. It's minutes. The more name recognition you get of a person, the more you're going to be like, Oh yeah, I know that person. Whereas you got 12 other people on the stage and you forget who all those other people are because you're not hearing their names constantly. You know, you're not Marco Rubio. You forget about Marco Rubio, little Marco, because the only thing you hear about him is little Marchio, little Marchio, not like anything about him or policies. And you don't, you don't hear from him lately either, do you? I haven't no. heard from Marco Rubio in, um, in a while. I did, I did recently. I forgot what it was about. The only people you hear, you hear about Ted Cruz still because he's back in the limelight talking well, about Ted Cruz. Like Ted Cruz knows how to get in, get get his get his name out there too. He's yeah. He's a little he's he's a little more savvy than people give him credit for. But well, Herman Munster. So let's go back to the debates though, because we we started there and we got easily sidetracked because it's it's easy to do that. It, but, and yeah. that's what Trump does to you, right? He, he gets you talking about other things. Well, it's a problem, you know. He, we so we'll go to the sixty minutes thing later, but with the with the debates, so we did have the mute button, which which worked, and you know you could see the discipline between the seasoned professional and the amateur in this, where in the two minute time span, when when, when uninterrupted, Biden was able to give a concise answer in under two minutes because he always finished his answer. And then there was still time. Like he would finish speaking within the two minutes and then there would be silence because it was still his time, but he had already finished. Whereas Trump constantly went past that two minute marker because he's not disciplined in that same manner of uh, debate tactics. Well, that's where Biden won big. I think Biden just came off. Um, I think there was even one, I don't remember what the question was about now, but Trump even called him out. I was like, that's just a political answer. That just, you just sound like a typical oh. politician. And it was like, I was like, yeah, he did. <laughs> Trump was, that was the one thing Trump didn't, Trump, Trump got right. It was, it was definitely, but it was like, that's not always, that's a, bad, that's that, not always that, a bad thing. That was when he was attacking Biden's family about China and uh, Ukraine, about business dealings and money, which is all baseless accusations you know the only news organization quote-unquote news organization that's posted anything about it is the new york post right you're barely even hearing about it from fox news <laughs> well, well that's the thing when fox news is like well we can't verify this we're not going to run with it exactly like, there's, still, there's still a news organization <laughs> at some point so they still, they still have to have some credibility the new york post doesn't doesn't have to have any credibility right they yeah. they can they can be a, they can be a tabloid rag and they're gonna the they're gonna stay they're gonna stay where they're at they're not gonna they're not gonna lose any readers from them running running stories like this, where Fox News, if it comes out that this is just all malarkey, as Joe Biden would say, and, um, I, and I feel like that was where Joe Biden, because like he defended himself several times against that accusation in that exchange. Like he kept going back and forth and saying it's baseless and the, the, there's nothing out there that proves anything he's saying. So I think after like the third or fourth or fifth time that Trump attacked him on the same thing, he's like, "Why are we talking about my family? Let's talk about your family at home." Like he's just like. Yeah, I'm going to change the topic because what the topic you're saying is nonsense. Well, it's nonsense, and it's not going to help, right? Even if right. I mean, there, like I said, there's, there's no, there's no. You don't win by defending yourself against stories. something baseless. No, you can't. How do you? You can't win that argument, right? Because you can't prove a negative. Right. Right. If I come out tomorrow and say and say, I saw you know I saw Keith, um, you know, walking walking into a, walking into a you know a brothel. I can't like, disprove that. You can't disprove that. 
unless I show you pictures of my entire day. Unless, right. Unless you have, (laughs) unless you have evidence of like where I was the entire day. I Um, wasn't sick at heart most of the day. (laughs) See, and yeah, I'm sure you have plenty of people to back up that story. I do. That's the thing is you just, (laughs) Trump, Trump just needs to sow this, this seed of doubt and then his supporters are going to run with it. Right. I mean, you look at the, the the conspiracies that his a lot of his backers believe, and it doesn't it doesn't take much for them to number one they they want a reason to hate Biden, right? They they really mm-hmm. they really do because they 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 had a lot of reasons to hate Hillary Clinton, and that worked. So they want a lot of reasons to hate Biden, and there's just not as many reasons. There's not um, you know they tried to attack him on the crime bill, and Joe, I, Joe Biden that was the best answer he gave all night, and he's when he came out and said I made a mistake. Right. All right. That was it was wrong of us. And you yeah, go back and you look at that crime bill, and that was a that was just that, that was a failure on the part of liberals by because what liberals have a problem doing is compromising with conservatives. And when they compromise with conservatives, conservatives will destroy their policies and make them ineffective. And they they'll never go far enough, and and they'll end up hurting people. And I think with that, you know, with the crime bill, like it's also. I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and there's just a lot of things that we didn't, you know, he's, he's mentioned it before where they put certain things in place and they didn't realize how it was actually going to be implemented in the real world. And until you put a policy in place, you don't know how it's actually going to work until it happens sometimes. You know, it's also a different time, time too. I mean, this yeah. is, we're, talk, we're talking 1994. Yeah, we, our mentality we, about things were different. a long way since The whole culture was different then. You know, we, we might have agreed what with his, well, you know, our, our 1994 selves, if we were able to understand what was going on, might have agreed with it as well. 15, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were 14, 15. It's not like, well, I'm saying like, say we were 20, 30 at the time, you know, and we were educated, you know, and at the time with the sense of what was going on in the world at the time, we might have said, this is a good thing. In hindsight, we realized that was a lot of bad things about it. And he's come out and said that multiple times that, hey, we passed this bill. It has a lot of good things and there were a lot of bad things in it. And I'm, it's very regretful and they've worked, you know, their previous administration did work to reverse some of those things in there. And that's, you know, they, and they're continuing that policy. Um, and, and it's just funny that they, you know, this, again, it proves that Trump doesn't have much to go on when attacking Biden, when they keep going and attacking on the same point that he's already addressed. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's 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 been his strategy, right? That's it doesn't matter what what Biden says. Trump, if Trump repeats it enough, it becomes oh, yeah. it becomes somehow. If you say the lie often enough, it becomes the truth. Right, and that, and that's that's been his tactic the entire his entire political career. Well, which is entire long, probably, it's, it's probably his entire career actually. In his entire be life, he's probably been doing that. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, you know, I haven't read Art of the Deal, so I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't well, know. I'll, I'll I will definitely recommend um, NPR's. Um, embedded series i think it's embedded or invisibility i think it was embedded did a great season talking about trump before becoming president and all his business dealings it's very it's a very big deep dive multiple episodes talking to people that he's screwed over through business dealings and golf course making he's still doing it he's still he still owes money to 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 places that he's held rallies and that's, this is the funny part. It's like, he's accusing the Biden family of making money on business deals while he's himself is doing that in the office of the white house. He's yeah. advertising his, my beautiful golf courses all around the world, Mar-a-Lago, you know, everyone goes there. It's beautiful. People come and stay at the hotel. Yeah. You're making money when the foreign dignitaries come you know, to your hotel. Oh yeah. The foreign dignitaries. And then you hear stories about him, like forcing layovers at, at you know, at his, at his properties. So right. 
and it's like, and of course, when a foreign comes over even or he goes somewhere, it's not like it's just them in one room. They have the security detail. Yeah, no, you have all the other people with it. So, you know, one, one dignitary comes over from a country and you got 20 rooms being booked. Not to mention the food and the transportation and all this stuff. You know, so he's making money on his office, yet he's accusing somebody else of doing the same thing without any evidence. Biden did a really good job of coming out and attacking him for that, attacking him for the um, the, the Chinese bank account that came out. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, how do you turn around and be like, oh, Joe, Joe Biden took $3.5 million from, from Moscow, which is just, what? <laughs> but then and at the same time, you, you're hold, you hold foreign bank accounts that you're paying taxes to when you don't even pay your taxes in the United States. And apparently I was, so I was listening to NPR politics podcast uh, before this. And one of the things that uh, Trump accused him on about the, uh, one of the bank exchanges and the emails, the, the date on it was 2017. So he wasn't even in office when apparently one of the things that they're being accused of happened. So even if yeah. it was a legitimate email, the, what he's being accused of has nothing to do with his office because he wasn't in office. Right. He was a private citizen. So it's a whole other like well, they have this guy, they have this guy coming out, um, one of Biden's old friends or something that, that's trying to verify that's trying to say you can verify all this stuff. Um, apparently he has a meeting today. But that's the thing, you just sow these little seeds of doubt and it, it works in enough people to be like, Oh, well, Biden might all there's enough people out there that think all politicians are corrupt. Right. And to a certain extent, that might be true. Well, I don't know what to, to what extent. It depends on what you define as corruption. If it means like, hey, I got a deal done for you so I can get a deal done for me, that's not necessarily corruption either. That's called deal making. Right. Well, well, Trump doesn't do that. Trump makes deals for himself and then screws everybody else. To him, that's deal making. <laughs> yeah. yeah. to, corru- to me, corruption is, when it comes to politics anyways, is like if I'm getting millions of dollars from a company, then I go around and I put a bill to help that company out, that's corruption. If it's, hey, I'm going to pass this policy and you're going to pass that policy. You know, it's, it's exchange of goods for the betterment of each other. It's, it, you know, it's deal making. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, you make a good point a there. Line. It's, some... it's whether it personally benefits me or if it's benefiting my district. Like if it benefits my district and I get to do something that benefits your district and we do a deal like in Congress with each other to get a bill passed and we both get something for, for our districts that's, that's, just, that's beneficial that's for our citizens. Right. Versus um, about Mitch McConnell and I'm just banking money from Big Pharma. And I'm just going to keep plugging that, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but no, you make, you make a good point because with the with the Biden-Ukraine um, thing with uh, when he, because he's, you know, they, they tried they tried out that video of him saying that, you know, he, he, he made sure that they weren't going to get money if they didn't remove that one prosecutor. Right. And it had nothing to do with with the, with the scandal with with the made up scandal that Trump's trying to say, but he tried to he tried to use that, but that was just a, a deal making thing because a lot of people wanted that person out. Right. Yeah. The, the person was corrupt within the country. Well, right. A lot of lot of lot of our a lot of our allies were allies were like, you know, we this guy isn't doing his job. We need to get him removed. And Biden yeah. used, and the Obama administration used that leverage. So that that's 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 deal making, right? That's not that's not corruption. And but they're trying, that, to, they're trying to spin it as it was to help Hunter Biden. Right. And, and, and that's, that's the issue, too. I mean, Trump can talk about Hunter Biden all he wants. But about I, his think America, I think most of the American public can, can look at Trump's kids. You got Ivanka, Don Jr. See the money that Kushner. they're making. Kushner, look what Kushner did with, in, in Qatar. 
um, you know, Ivanka is getting getting brands in China. Like, what, you know, what, what are the kickbacks? What are the kickbacks there? Yeah, you know, and, and you know, so uh, Trump comes out and accuses like, oh, how Hunter get this job? He has no qualifications in this. And I was like, okay, how does Nancy DeVos have the job of being Secretary of Education? He has no qualifications with that. You how do all these people that you have in charge of things have qualifications for what they do? How is Jared Kushner a position to talk, negotiate world peace between countries? Like, what is his qualifications? Does he have a political science degree that I don't know about? Because I don't think he does. Um, yeah, just like every, every other. Corrupt, oh, but he's uh, Jewish, so you know he's good at Middle East peace talks. Yeah, because he, yeah he's going to know. He's, he must know, right? Because he's Jewish. Because you know he's Jewish. So, so um, that that'll be good. I love the Jews. My son-in-law's Jewish, so I love all the Jews. Well, that's that's a weird, least that's a weird dichotomy too. So, well, that's another thing we can talk about too. But that's <laughs> always been a weird dichotomy with um the the conservatives in Israel because they're definitely they're definitely Israel backers, but at the same time get labeled anti-Semites. So right. it's it's kind of and a lot of them are anti-Semites, but they they have that that fallback where they can say, "Well, I support Israel." But in every every Jewish person that I know or friends with are liberals. <laughs> you know, a large majority of the, you know, the Jewish population um, are liberals in this in this country because they've seen what fascism does. They've seen what dictatorships do, and they don't want to see that kind of stuff again. And and they don't see these policies helping people they see it hurting people and they don't want to see that and just i don't know yeah i mean israel is definitely a complicated situation and it's 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 tough well, i mean israel is, i mean the whole middle east in itself is really a quagmire of bad decision making by white people no 100 because and this is why i think history is so short-sighted you know I, 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 would, I would argue that most people that are younger than us, or even our age, you know, a lot of people that didn't go through the right education don't realize, like, you go back to 1900, the Middle East did not have these the lines that it has now. We made those lines. Okay. We, as the conquering nations of World right? War I and World War II, divided up the Middle East. And we, we drew arbitrary lines between nations and put warring people in the same nation and divided up people that lived together into different nations between Shiite and, and other things. And, and like we said, okay, well, we're going to put a land for Israel and, and divide and move the people that already live there somewhere else. So we're, well, white people have always been good at moving, moving yeah. indigenous people. <laughs> that's, that's something that white people have like, have, have gotten down in history. You know, like, if, if white people are good at something, it's about it's, taking it's over getting, land that's not theirs. Exactly. It's about yeah. It's about getting rid of the indigenous population of, of, of anywhere, basically, oh. and just or enslaving them. Like we've you know we've had a good history of doing that as well. But, oh, this is nice fertile land you got here. It'd be a shame something happened to it, like colonization. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. We'll live here in peace forever. Here, have a wooden nickel. I'll buy Manhattan. <laughs> and you know that's that's something that I think. So that's something that we're getting we were getting better at educating uh people about is mm-hmm. the, the, the 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 destruction of imperialization and colonization and how and how it ruined a, a lot of people's lives and a lot of cultures um but with a with another four years of trump that education might go might go away oh right yeah with, with education policies i put in place and um you know, they wanted to take some things out of the curriculum. I, there was the, oh, what was it? The 16, I can't think of the numbers. The New York Times made an educational 
um, curriculum about slavery. I forget the exactly what it's called offhand. Um, but they were they were suing to not allow that in schools. Like, and this is the problem with uh, education in America, especially in America, and it's probably in other nations as well. Um, but we tend to whitewash a lot of our history. You know, we we history is always written by the victors. That's fact. We we right, know well, that, that, and that's what conservatives will tell you too. Well, history is written by the victors, but that's not that doesn't make it right. And now that we're we're in a more, accurate, yeah. I, I would say we're in a more enlightened age than we ever have been in history. I hope, um, and we we're more aware of everything that's happened. And and to go and just move on and keep teaching history the way we've been teaching it in a large part is just so immoral and so incorrect that I, we we need to make a change. You know, yeah, America is a great country, but it's not the greatest, and we've done some really bad things in our history. You know slavery, Japanese internment, uh, trail of tears, just to name a few. Um, it, right, and it's something that we have to address. And I think nations that, that have addressed their past problems are, are getting all getting along a lot better. Like, like um, Germany. Exactly. You know, I mean, Germany that, that's, that's, the very prosperous that's, a, that's the, that's the obvious example, right? Because they, they've committed, you know, in recent history, probably the, one of the biggest atrocities, um, mm-hmm. you know, record and, definitely in, in what, what, what you would call modern history so but they've learned to um accept what they did and and apologize for it and realize that what they can do to fix it yeah and they Whereas, acknowledge that it's part of their past and, and everyone's always going to know that and they and but they they need to move forward as a country as well and you're right so they're they're my great yeah this, this country has a hard time acknowledging like the civil rights like act in of 19, what 60 years ago like oh that solved everything and every, every after that everything was everything was even steven we're all good yeah. <laughs> we're all good right oh, <laughs> everything's so, fine slavery's been over since 1865 what are you still complaining about right which is not a long time when you talk about generations right? it's only That's, three generate it's only three four generations ago but you know even though slavery ended they, there still other laws jim crow and things like that came into effect to basically keep the slavery superiority complex in check you know we made we created a caste system within america through different laws um i was just learning the other day about um uh, alabama i think it is where they put on the books a law back in the turn of the century that's turn of the last century i should say where you know we're talking about uh you know when you get arrested a lot of times you can't vote anymore in the state that you live in until you get it um, fully, you know, you serve your time and you don't have any debts for it. So you get your thing expunged so that way you can vote again. Um, but they made this law that really targeted a, a black people in the South where they could get arrested for like vagrant misconduct. Like the, the, the terms that they could use just to arrest somebody were so vague that basically it was just tar- a way to be able to arrest someone legally and take away their right to vote. Yeah. We still see voter suppression today. You know? Oh, well, the law is still on the books. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, so apparently what's happening in, what's happening in Florida where, you know, the, the people were actually voted and like, no, like former felons should be able to vote. They should have a they should have a voice in our democracy. And they're fighting tooth and nail to, to try and stop that. Well, that's the thing. That, and that's the thing. Like we, you know, I was gr- I grew up being taught that uh, we have a judicial legal system where you're, you're proven until you're innocent until proven guilty. And then don't tell that to the bail reformist. <laughs> And then all, and then on top of that, Anti-bell reform, once, you, once you serve your time, you should be part of society again. Like that's, that's what I was taught up, brought up believing, you know, and, 
and then we find out like okay well now you've lost your right to vote and that's not reality for a lot and of people. things like that apparently maine and vermont are the only two states that i know of again i learned this about listening to the story the other day in maine and vermont prisoners can vote while you're in prison yeah i would have no problem with that you shouldn't lose your right to vote even if you're even if you're, you're still a citizen crime. you know and and policies affect your life <laughs> right and well some people don't believe in democracy and other and others don't <laughs> and, and some people believe that if you commit a crime no matter how minor or serious it is you forfeit your rights to everything like you could be in prison for the most benign thing um especially depending on the color of your skin you could be you could have done the, like the most benign thing and be in prison for it uh for years and whereas someone who has is, is white would just get a misdemeanor and get off scot-free and be able to vote again or and if you're black you get arrested for it, you go to jail for 10, 10 20 years and now your whole life is ruined um so i i there's a lot of reform i think around the the um legal system with that in regards to voter rights need to be restored to everybody for i i think that would make the if you could make a federal law that says everyone has the right to vote no matter what, I mean, that's the problem. In the Constitution, there's no nothing that says there is no such thing as the right to vote. There's been laws over time that have given people the ability to vote, but it's been left to the states to determine who has the right to vote. Yeah, I think that's that's I think that's by design too. It's not let's oh, not let's not let's not pretend that the founding fathers weren't elitists, right? Let's not. Pretend. Oh, I mean, unless you're a white. A male property owner, you couldn't vote in the original right. elections. Yeah, let's not let's not pretend that the, that the the founding fathers, you know, cared about democracy like like we pretend that they did. Like it was about it was about protecting their interests. Right? Oh, wait, you were not supposed to hold them up on high and pretend like they were like, uh, you know, close to gods because right. they was a country. Uh, yeah, and I think and, and and you know both the right and the left. Well, I should say liberals. Um, I don't know so much about the. The, the left I try to not combine I try not to combine liberals in the left anymore it's kind of <laughs> um, liberals are definitely more more centerish right than um, than the conservatives give them credit for anyway but yeah these the founding fathers were out to protect their interests they, they didn't care they didn't care about democracy or the people they were, they wanted to protect their interests and they used the, the guise of democracy to, to do that um, but yeah, I mean, where where were we? <laughs> I don't know. Talking, talking about getting off topic again. Um, well, we we talked about prison and things like that, you know. And so prison reform, things like that, are all all good things we should be doing, and you know. Hundred um, percent. And and uh, you know, I was thinking too. Um, like a real representative democracy. Well, yeah, and that's 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 was I think the thought was in my head too. Is you talk to a lot of conservatives, and they'll say, "Well, we're not we're not a democracy. We're a republic." And it's like, technically you're, you're right, but shouldn't we have, like, shouldn't that Republic, like, strive for democracy? <laughs> like, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not completely opposing ideologies. You know what right? the ironic thing is that we try to implement and put, enforce true democracy on other nations where we ourselves are not practicing true democracy. Of course. Like, we, we basically try to put in place in Iraq a true democracy where everyone has a vote and gets an equal say where we're still we're a representative democracy we have an electoral college um so even if you win the popular vote doesn't mean you win the election because you have to get enough electoral votes which is an elect you know that's a representative democracy that's not true democracy 
So until we change those things, we're never going to have true democracy. Well, yeah, you look at institutions like the Senate, where you know each state gets two senators regardless of population, and you have, right. a, you know, a Los Angeles County has a larger population than I, I don't know the exact number right now off the top of my head, but it's like eight, you know, eight or ten states, and you know, in the Midwest, <laughs> you know, you look at the Dakotas and Montanas, the you know, uh, you know, I, I, even Iowa maybe like you combine a bunch of those states and they don't even have the, the population of one county in California. Right. And then, and that, I mean, where's your, demo, where's your democracy there? Yeah. But then, not, you know, and, and you see the same argument too in New York, because obviously New York city has a, has a huge population compared to the rest of the state. Um, so New York city basically does get, get to choose a lot of our politicians. But then um, you have, you have places like Puerto Rico, Guam, dc that have no representation you get almost nothing yeah i mean you know, guam, yeah. i think guam came and voted in the presidential election yeah i don't even think they think guam gets uh the not get, they don't get to vote at all in the presidential election they're american citizens and they have no right to vote while living in guam right which is you know that we could talk about statehood and should these places be states and some of them yeah why do know, we still have territories that, I, when, when i learned as as i learn things and i found out we had territory stills like i feel like that's a, such a antiquated thing to have a territory right like i thought we were the united states of america it's shouldn't everything that is part of the u.s be a state and have rep- have representation right because that's well, but then we fight about do, this whole do they not pay taxes <laughs> representation exactly right so this is the whole thing the founding the founding fathers were uh, that's what we fought for right back, back to the founding fathers the taxation big, without representation that was that was our big uh, complaint so that was, that was the complaint. Not yep. no taxes. No, yeah, that, there was no, it's just no taxation without representation. Yet we have conservatives just cut out the representation, be like no taxes. We got no we got people being taxed without representation. So we got Puerto Ricans, Guam's people that live in D.C., the capital of our country, that have no representation in Congress. Well, they, I think they have a congressperson, a non-voting congress. They, yeah, they don't get to vote in, the, in right, Congress. They don't, they don't get an up or down vote. They can be. They, on do, they do get what a, a few. Um, electoral college votes yeah but they but like the the representative in congress i don't think they uh no they don't get the vote they don't get an up or down vote they're there they can they can talk and they can they, um, yeah they can make a speech but they, they have might be able to vote. introduce bills but they can't vote on them i don't believe which is which is ridiculous completely, right. completely ridiculous. well yeah our, our, a lot of people are learning the way the way our government's actually run isn't isn't fair to a lot of people and i think that's um Wow. That's, change, that's changing a lot of things. Um, and I think things, you know, will change. I don't know if they'll change in our lifetime, but I think, I think our, our government's prime for some kind of, some kind of change. And especially in the way that, that people are represented in this country. Well, I mean, I, I think any step forward in the right direction is, is on the right path there. Um, you know, obviously I'm voting for, I voted for Biden and I think, whether or not his policies are everything I want them to be, they're in step the right direction. It's it's going in the in the direction of progress. It's going in a better direction than it would under Trump. Hundred percent. I mean, yeah. you can't you can't argue that. Um, you know, as as someone who leans a little bit more left than than Biden, there's definitely a lot of criticisms from the left about Biden and you know um, incrementalism and how he doesn't go far enough. And, but yeah, when you when you compare it to the direction that we could be headed, yeah, I'd, I'd much rather be be going in the, in, the, in the Biden in the Biden path. Well, the, the good analogy I saw about it was like you get on the bus that's going to take you closer to your destination. Right. 
you know, um, Biden. I think I respond. I think I actually we talked about this, and uh, you know, my my analogy was, <laughs> um, yeah, one one bus is driving into a wall while the other bus is driving <laughs> off a cliff. So the walls the walls better, <laughs> but also the bus driver that's driving into the wall might listen to you, while the guy who's driving off the cliff is just headed for the cliff, and he doesn't yeah. he, he's not he's not going to care what I say. The bus driver driving into the, that's going to drive into the wall might 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 be able to help him steer steer away from the wall not only that if you're in the right spot of the bus you might survive <laughs> right well that's my point right if you're going off the cliff you're all you're all gone you're all gone well, that was that was kind of my analogy right is you know the, the wall the wall is safer than the cliff it's not it's not the best it's not the best solution but it's it's definitely better than going off the cliff so I'm going to go towards the end of the debate here because there's like one moment where where Trump was trying to get have a gotcha moment on Biden. And I don't think he realized that it wasn't really a gotcha moment because they were talking about energy and um, he got he got Biden to say, like, you know, Biden has a policy. He believes that we should get 100 percent renewable by a certain date. And we want to slowly get there. You know, we're not going to just go go turn off the switch overnight and say no more oil because we can't do that physically. But believes in the electric infrastructure and all these things and wants to get there. And so, you know, Biden had said like, yes, I want no new oil plants. I want to shut down the oil plants to move to this and, and transition to it. And he's like, you hear that? You hear that? He wants to, you know, it's like, and Trump snatched on it. Like, did you say that? You, you heard that? You heard that Pennsylvania, all these places. Um, well, that's the thing. A lot of people still do rely on oil for their careers and their, their, their jobs. And especially in a place like Pennsylvania, where he's gonna, he's trying to attack him on on the fracking thing because right. you know he there are quotes out there of Biden saying, I you know I'm, I'm against fracking, but it's more he does he doesn't want fracking on federal lands, right. um, any new fracking on federal lands, I should say. He's not he's but he he never said that he's gonna outrightly ban fracking. Mm-hmm. Um, there's he wants to invest in better technology to control carbon emissions from fracking. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of fracking. I think it's, it could, it's dangerous. I agree. Um, but it, it, you know, as far as the economy goes, I, I can see a lot of people being wary about banning fracking, um, well, especially in places where that, that rely on it heavily like Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania I, is going to be huge in this election. I also think that, you know, when it comes to, whether it's coal, oil, natural gas through fracking, anything that's an energy source, no matter what your policy is, you can't just shut it off. It's if you don't have a thing to replace it with, you can't just like, oh, we're, you know, we're we're gonna ban fracking tomorrow. Right, and, that, and that's something I think Biden needs the message better. I think he needs the best message that it's it's it is a bridge, right? It's a bridge to to to, to a cleaner world, and. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that realize that the direction that we're going, we might not have an earth if we keep I up. I mean, the, if the we coal industry it. already admits it. The coal industry already knows that their industry is dying. They've admitted to it themselves. You know, um, coal towns is saying, go out and find a new job because we're, we're not going to survive because just the, the marketplace itself is not asking for coal. Right. You know, that's that's just pure business right there the the marketplace doesn't want it because it's more expensive and it's dirty um and so people are going to alternatives at this point because natural gas has with through fracking has become cheaper than coal has so you're getting more fracking going on um with fracking though like there there's a lot of dangers of um, damage to the local areas so i don't know how much safer you can make fracking um 
I, I, I definitely, my personal opinion is we, we do need to go to a cleaner, cleaner energy source in the future. And the faster we get there, the better for everybody. Um, I mean, I got solar panels on my house because I believe in, I believe in the future. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. If we, if we invest in, invest in these things and, and create better technology, the, the world, the world will come to us for it and it, right. it, it will benefit the economy. And I think that's something that Biden can do a little bit of a job of messaging. Um, I don't think, I don't think people realize how if we're the innovators and and we're and we're the game changers in this country the world will flock to us and it will it will benefit the economy and here's the thing and and here's what we need to i'm sorry to cut you off here's what here's what needs to happen it it can't just benefit a few people right these these innovations need to benefit the entire country or people aren't going to see and i i yes 100 percent i'm one thing you know trump was attacking about the windmills besides the fact that it kills the birds. I'm going to ignore that statement. Um, you know, saying say that it caused cancer this time, right? But you know, the, the fact that, you know, he's not wrong that a lot of the parts for it currently are being made in Germany or China or whatever overseas. But the fact is if we decide, Hey, we're going to put up a hundred thousand windmills. Do you think we're going to figure out how to make them here real fast? You know, if we're going to make, if we're going to, if we're going to put a long-term investment and say, we're going to put up X amount of windmills, and then we're also, because Biden has also said that he wants to, for big government infrastructure things, he wants them to be made in America. Right. So it's going to create a factory to be making these things, multiple factories probably. Install them and maintain them. Yeah, the Green New Deal isn't about like, and conservatives have been touting the Green New Deal is just going to destroy the country. And, but they, they, t- they say everything's going to destroy the country. And I don't, yeah. where, do you, where, do you, where do you, where do you, where do you stop? Unless you vote for us, the country will be destroyed. Every, every election cycle. It's the, the, the we're, we're the, this country's ruined. If, if a Democrat, I mean, they said the same thing about Obama and they said the same thing about Clinton and you know, the country's still here. It didn't go anywhere. I mean, Obama, Obama was, a, was, a con- was almost a conservative when you think about it. That's another story. Um, but yeah, you, the Green New Deal is about is about boosting the economy through clean energy, right? Because the New Deal boosted the economy through infrastructure. And it caught it, it caused it get, government to spend money, but it put but that where that money go? The money went into went, went into the people's hands. Yes, yeah, so he said you know, it's going to cost seven hundred fifty billion, whatever I forgot what number he put out there over ten years. But that money is going to go into the pockets of citizens who get jobs working on these infrastructures, and it's going to create more income. And we're and the government's going to benefit from it. The whole country is going to benefit from it between electricity grids and, uh, and employment, because you know you, you got construction jobs to first you got factory jobs to build them, you got construction jobs to put them up, then you have maintenance jobs to keep them running. You know, so this is this is a long term, and you're gonna keep putting them up. It's not like you're gonna put them up one year and then done. There's gonna, you know, we have retrofit. You gonna you can go around retrofitting buildings. And I just when I drive around, I think solar panel, solar panel, solar panel. That's like jobs. Every time you think about a rooftop that can be retrofitted with solar, solar panels on that it, work, hundred percent. You know, especially you you start easy. Start with every government building. Start with every federal government building. Get them retrofitted with solar panels. It's not hard to do, you know. Um, it just it just takes the initiative to do it and go out there and put it them. It takes money. It takes money to do it, and then money yeah. needs to come from somewhere. And and another thing is people people when they think taxes, 
they think it, it, com it comes out of their pot. Like people making like, well, what, you know, our, our level of income, but it's <laughs> the, where all, where a large chunk of the money needs to come from are from people who have benefited from the policies of the past 30, 40 years, right? Yes. These people who are, who are multi-billionaires, right? Who are, who are making, you know, millions of dollars a year. Well, here's my question. So I got the solar panels on my house. I don't pay for them directly. I pay for them through my, a bill every month based on how much I generate. So it's like the, for up, there's no upfront cost to the citizen. Like if I want to get solar panels on my house through whichever solar company I deal with, um, they come out, they put them up, they get the rebate from the state for to them because they still own them. I have a warranty on my roof for the lifetime that they're up there for the 20, 25 year period. And I have a set rate that I pay them every month. Why can't we well, use that? Well, how's it? Yeah, how's that different from your from getting from getting oil or gas from your right? From your local so I'm saying provider. like the uh, so the upfront cost like that should be five ten thousand dollars if it was upfront if I paid for everything. So if we're gonna talk about putting them in all the federal buildings instead of paying the upfront cost, why can't they make a deal with the companies the same way? Let's have a, a monthly payment plan that's a set rate. And we, we can budget that out over a course of years instead of taking a big chunk of change from the coffers at once. We, we have a set rate that we're going to pay over the 10, 20 year period of this until we own them outright. And then that creates money up the chain. It creates jobs to install them. It creates um, money for the companies that have, are, are benefiting from right. them. And we end up saving. And then here's the thing, even if we pay for them outright, pay the $10,000 to put on this building. Within five years, if you're talking about a federal building that has employees in it coming in all time, lots of things running, you're going to make that money back. Oh, 100%. Saving some electricity. 100%. You know? So any, any of these things you do to retrofit a building, it costs money to do, but the long-term benefits from your energy savings on these buildings is going to be a surplus. Well, then too, you're building an economy from the bottom up, right? Right. Instead of from the top down, which we've seen doesn't, doesn't work. It does not work. Well, I'm going to shift gears for a second here. So I, I, I thought of something else I want to ask you about. Um, other big news that happened this week outside of the debate was a statement from the Pope. Outside of the country. Even. Outside of the country. Yeah. I mean, big statement. I mean, um, the huge Pope. Huge for the Catholic Church. Huge, huge for the Catholic Church. Um coming out in favor of civil unions. Right. Now, some people say, well, it's not full marriage, but whatever. I'm like, this is for the Catholic church, for the leader of the Catholic church to even say that gay people have a right to exist. To be, <laughs> yes. To, I mean, so there's been always been missed be for the past decade or so about like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's okay that they exist, but you know, they shouldn't still have sex. But we should try to fix them. <laughs> well also depending on what church you went to you got a different because like they, yeah okay but let's let's because i went to one church the catholic church is a, is a big is a big is a big entity right and it, it does have there's a big umbrella there you have so, individual yeah. priests that have different opinions and they they listen to different preach you know you I mean, there are more there are more progressive churches than others but it, but that all comes down to membership right that right. all comes down to we we still we need members because the church needs members to exist because I, I went to i went to you know we were in our old town we went to one it was like okay whatever then we went to like oh let's try this other one it was fun and then one day like what whatever the priest was saying was so anti-gay that i just i oh i wanted to get up and just walk out 
And I was like, I'm never going back to this church again. You should have gotten up and screamed at the, at the, at the priest during a sermon. It's like, you're wrong. My blood was boiling. And I was like, oh, we're just not coming back here again. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm an atheist. So, you know, I haven't been to church in a long time. <laughs> um, other than maybe going to a wedding. Uh, maybe probably the last time I was in an actual church. The last time I went to church was uh, right before the pandemic. <laughs> So it's just like fine, we, you know. I'm, we we went we went to church. We're like, oh, we're in new town. We finally decided to go find, try a church out. Well, we tried one out. It was very boring because uh, it's all old populations. We're like, we're not coming back here again. So we went to a different one, and um, it was nice. It was fun, and it, they they it was Lent season. So um, I forget one of the groups in the church. They're about to make their mission trip to uh, I forget what country they're going to, but they're asking for donations. They're like, but unfortunately, because the of the virus, as it because it was starting to spread at that point, like we we're not able to travel, but we still want to be able to have fun. So when we can go, we can bring it down there with them. And then the next week, everything got shut down. Got shut down. <laughs> it was like, well, I guess I can't scratch, do- scratch that, scratch that. So and I'm like, and I don't, yeah, I got two little kids. I'm not going to go to a church right now, anyways. But anyways, back to the topic at hand. Um, you know, for the for the Pope to come out and say this, for me, was a huge huge step in the right direction yes does it go all the way no it doesn't it's not going to you're talking about a 2000 year old institution they can't well marriage is a is a is a, is a sacrament right, right? In, the, in the church so, mar- a sacrament. so they're not going to come out and say well you guys can 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 be involved in our sacrament not yet <laughs> not yet i mean and it all it, Keith, let's be honest it all it all like i said it all comes down to membership right it all the, the church needs members to exist it needs members to donate to them um it, it needs members to run and it's hemorrhaging members. Right? Oh, you have, you have churches closing. We're getting more, the, the world is getting more secular. Um, no, that even, you know, Christianity. Is yeah, I know. Seriously. What's going on back there? Hey, garbage, garbage day was yesterday. <laughs> garbage day was today for me. But anyway, so, um, I mean, I mean you, know, you go back to Martin Luther the Christian church fracture then. So you have different variations. You got some congregations with the rainbow flag out front. Uh, so those are very welcoming. So you, it's the Catholic church has been peeling off because people are going to different denominations that are more welcoming to more people. Um, and then you have these mega churches out in other parts of the country that are their businesses. Aren't they? Those, those are, those are, those mega are churches I would argue are definitely a business. They're not they're, really a church at that point. Um, so yeah, and, and then, you know, go to my hometown. One, you know, I see a lot of congregations are combining because membership is down. Uh, you know, you have the old population remains, but the young population they're moving out of town or they're not continuing to go at the same rates. So you have some churches just closing. Um, you have one priest doing masses in both two different churches to try to take care of the population. So you also don't you don't have as many priests coming up. Uh, that's the other issue. You have, you know. Well, yeah. You have priests from. I have. I've been at churches where we the the main priest is from Africa because they have more priests in Africa, and they're sending them over to the U.S. Because you're right. Because I mean, there's an there's an economy in you know in the church as well, right? Well, well, maybe if we go back to letting priests get married, we might have an improvement in that. So go back to priests get married. um, You know, there's. I think there's still. Excuse me. Denominations that that won't let women be priests. Right. Um, You know. Well, hey, let's not go too maybe, far here, okay? Well, maybe someday you'll 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 you'll, you'll well, see a, you'll see an uh, an out homosexual priest, right? Like, 
I mean, you have that in some other in some other um, nom- denominations right now. Right, but that's the thing too. Like and the Jewish religion as well too. You know, yeah. and we, you know, we know, we we know if you study history, religion has changed. You know, throughout the course of history, and well, it, you know, it has to it has to adapt to the population. But what does that what does that actually say about religion? If religion is supposed to be the word of God, and God said these things whenever He said these things, like oh. That's- <laughs> you know we want to get into theological discussion but this is this is a big this is a big reason why you know i'm uh, i'm an atheist and i'm not necessarily against religion um or people who do believe in god you know i i just is just don't put your don't put your god on on, on me <laughs> that's all I, that's all i ask don't don't try and don't try and put um put your god into my society you know, if you want to believe in God and you want to, you want to have your, your, your beliefs, that's fine. Just don't let it interfere with the society I, I want to build. <laughs> right. I have, I have, that's so- where I'm going to, that's where I'm going to, before I start offending too many people. Well, um, when it comes to, you know, lifelong Catholic here, but also a lot of realistic history lessons that I've learned over many years, you know, and it's just, See, I, I can't reconcile uh, that. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't reconcile my progressiveness with, with the church and that's i think that's what that's that, that that's what turned me off a lot and right um honestly you know i i grew up catholic I, um i grew up going to you know ccd and um even you know my my mother was 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 really into religion she, she um so she actually taught ccd classes when we were kids Same. um you know we would take you know we would go to church basically there, there were good periods where we went every week then there were periods where we stopped going and, you know, once I became around my, you know, teenage years, that's when I really got turned off. But I still believed in God. And then it was funny because it was at Sacred Heart when I took a religion class and learned about the world religions and basically looked at all the religions and said, these are all the same. <laughs> they all have, they're all like, be a good person and you'll be rewarded when you die. And it was like, well, that's just solved it. That just nailed it for me. Whereas was, for me, it was just like, this is just, humans needing to reconcile death and- so you, you two two big things here like one yeah religion is a is a construct on how you live your life and have your beliefs so whether you know let's take the big three first real quick here and why does that have to come from god though christianity judaism and islam all start from the same base religion right because people created it well, but i mean they actually they're all the quran the torah and the Old Testament are all the same book, right? Certain point, and then they splinter off, and they splinter off. So there's splintering points, but the the big three are all based in the same thing. Um, one thing I, I heard once someone say, you know, in, in, in essence, man needed to create God in order to have rules and force to create society. Because when early societies were being formed, I was a few we're talking about things like that. How, how do I all of a sudden assert myself and my rules upon everybody else? But if I say this, this being up here says that's wrong, it's a lot more powerful. So you have shaman and priest and early religious. Well, and to then it's right. And then it, then it evolves into, well, I can rule over you because God said it's cool. Well, that, well God said he's the ruler. So it must, he must be the ruler. The, the divine leadership roles. And that's where you get I, I, people. Uh, you know, a watery tart threw a sword at me. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's no basis for our government. Exactly. That's a great, great line. And uh, <laughs> great. Love Monty Python. You know. But I mean, we could do a whole podcast on religion. Um, and there, there, are plenty, <clears throat> there are plenty out there. Um, I would also say that the other thing I want to say is like um, a mathematician whose name I can't think of right now also said, you know, um, his, his belief is like, whether I believe in God or not, you know, it's, it's, if you want to hedge your bets, believe in God, because if you believe in God and God doesn't exist, you didn't lose anything. Pascal's don't believe Pascal, in God, Pascal's Pascal's wager. Exist, you lost everything. Pascal's wager. And there's plenty of um, arguments against Pascal's wager. Um, Cause I would argue that, you know, some people might, might miss out on life because they believe because well, they have, because they have beliefs that I would that say it's how you are reality. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, we can, we could, we could probably talk days about, um, about religion and because, you know, we, that's, that's one, probably one of our biggest um, disparities between you and I, I mean, we're both, I mean, yeah, we're, we're both relatively progressive. Um, but yeah, we're, I mean, we could definitely, we could definitely argue about religion because that's, that's, that's where we, that's where we differ. probably, probably the greatest. I, I de- we're definitely, yes. Um, but I, I, you'll, you'll find out I'll, I'll end up agreeing with you on a lot of things, even though I still have core beliefs, but I definitely question. Means I'm more powerful than God. I have a better argument than God. <laughs> Probably because I, I I can argue it and God can't. He, he really can't speak up for himself. Well, God unless he kills me right now. I also believe that God doesn't have a gender. So, <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think anyone has a gender. Well, well, well so, I mean, so, so there. The, the, <laughs> gender gender is a social construct. I'll, I'll, like, it's, a, it's a patriarchal construct that we created a long oh, time. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Oh, it has to be. Well, I'll, I'll go. I'll, you know, I'll go a step farther and say none of none of us actually have a gender. Well, genders, genders, just a, genders is the thing that we made up and we 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 prescribe to people, which is you know, which is I will say has I, its benefits and has its negatives, but I don't know how this happened. But my older son always refers to God as a girl. I don't know how that happened, but I'm not stopping it. Did he watch Dogma? No. <laughs> he didn't want to watch Dogma. Watch dogma. Was, he was too too young. My kid is a little too young for Dogma. It is a little too Atlantis, profane and Atlantis, a little too gory. Morissette. Is that, you forget how gory that movie is. Yeah, that last, the pinnacle scene at the end is quite gory. So we're not, we're not a dogma yet. Um, we'll start with clerks. So. 10 years, 10 years for that. But go back to Monty Python real quick, you know, and religion, you know, when they made Life of Brian. So when Life of Brian first came out, it was denounced by the church as being um, sacrilegious, whatever. But they, you know, later on, Monty Python talked about it and said, you know, they decided they were going to do, they wanted to do a movie making fun of Jesus. That was their idea. And they all said, okay, you know, and they went off for a year. They, they you know, they have writing partners. They all went off to do research for the movie. Because they're like, well, if we're going to do this, we got to do our research. And they all went off and they all came back and they came to the same conclusion. They said, we can't make fun of Jesus. Because if you look at just Jesus, the man, there's nothing within just Jesus to make fun of. Like, Jesus himself no. was a good person. Everything he did was good. Whether you believe that Jesus was the son of God or just another person, it doesn't, it's in, you know, if you look at the Hebrew religion, they believe Jesus was a prophet. So it, the fact that Jesus lived from a lot of people is undeniable. Whether he's a son of God or not, that's, 
I will give you that. It's, it is it is hard to hate on Jesus. And it's hard to hate on Jesus's teachings if you just follow Jesus's teachings. Exactly. So, um, so Monty Python said, what we can do, though, is make fun of the people at the time because there were so many prophets that were coming up and down during those times that were trying to say they were the son of God and this. So like, we're just going to focus on the people around Jesus. That's why uh, there's several scenes where Jesus is adjacent somewhere else. Like this is happening here. And then all of a sudden you pan the camera over here and there's like this very serene scene of Jesus dying on the cross in the distance or Jesus doing this miracle over there. Um, but the camera focuses over here and this is what they're making fun of and not making fun of Jesus. So they, they clearly made the line. They're like, we're not going to make fun of Jesus. We're going to make fun of people of the time of Jesus, which, you know, fair game to me. And I, right. I just, to, the, to this day, it is one of my favorite movies. Um, it's one of my favorite works by Monty Python because it's so well written. And, and it, it really hits the nail on the head in a lot of cases. Well, that's why I, like, I always like the, the, uh, the Jesus was a socialist meme. It, is, it always always makes me laugh because there's, there's a lot of socialist teachings in, yeah. in Jesus. Love um, one another. Conservatives, cons, you know, especially Catholic conservatives, don't, don't like to admit that. Um, you know, there's a, there's a meme going around, like if Jesus came back, you know, would you call him a libtard to his face or behind his back? <laughs> uh, because, because yeah, there, I mean, there are a lot of like, take, take care of your fellow man, you know, rich, rich people aren't going to, aren't going to get into heaven. You know, the hungry, is bad. The, is bad. the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Yeah. I, I, and you can't, it's a, it's really hard to argue with those with those sentiments, but a lot of, a lot of Catholics don't seem to put that into practice, especially, you know, your conservative Catholics. Well, it's, a, it's, it's people that are one, take the Bible too literally, you know, because the, if you look at the old Testament, and new Testament, they're very contradictory to each other. The old Testament is fire and brimstone, you know, very. Well, it was like, about, right. It was about control. It was about, it was about, it was about rules. It was about rules. It was about control. It was about how to, how to, how to basically, well, it, you know, all Leviticus is just really a rules for the population, like you said, to control the Jewish nation back when they were wandering can, the desert. You can beat your slave as long as he doesn't die. Yeah, right. Get the hell out of your slave. It's in the Bible, right? But you know, but, <laughs> but when you, when ladies out there, when you're menstruating, you need to separate yourself from everybody. Don't, else. Don't go, and you shouldn't even be talking. To be don't honest wash with you. Why? yourself afterwards because. I mean, Amy Coney Barrett, let's be honest. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be talking to, to men like like the way you do. Like Vinny, I'm just, sorry. Did you did you shave today? Because you you shouldn't, you're not supposed to shave. I shave every day. Yeah, but you know it's as an affront to God. Actually, you not actually, the hair on your face. Actually, every day when I shave, I curse God. <laughs> this is, Clearly, this is against this is against you, God. I'm shaving. I'm shaving despite you. Yes, there's so you know when you, you people hold up like. Well, it says a man shall not lie with another man. Like, yeah, it also says you're not supposed to shave your face. And that's even up for debate. Because now, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, that was more like about about children. There's a whole lot of that in the Bible, too. But that's another story. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but you're right. If you follow the teachings of just Jesus himself, son of God, a prophet, would, good overall person, because basically he was, um, the teachings themselves are just a guide to how to live a good life and how to treat each other with respect. Um, in the New Testament. In the New Testament, exactly. Burn, that old, burn the old book, just burn it. <laughs> it's called old for a reason. It's old and we don't need it anymore. Just get rid if, of it. When I look at the Old Testament, I see the Old Testament as a historical document of the people that wrote it. And that's how it was actually, I took 
I, so back in college, I took um, the Hebrew Bible as a class. And that's, you know, so it was taught by a guy who's a pastor, but it is taught as, and people that are scholars of it will tell you, this is, for one thing, it's written by four different people. Because there's even parts of it that, you know, you have two passages back to back that are written by two different people from two different tribes that are trying to fight against each other. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of you know stuff about the the, the authorship of, of both books, and you know, who, you know who really wrote who really wrote the Bibles and oh yeah, whatnot. But I mean, the Old Testament is really you know you get the kings. It's nothing about this king than that king. It's it's a it's a historical document to trace their lineage. Yeah, I mean, you probably know more about the Bible than I do. Like I said, um, well, I took the class. You know, I stopped. Well, yeah, I took I stopped, one class. I kind of I kind of stopped paying attention to it after <laughs> after I realized it's not I for mean, me. This whole Bible thing is not for not for me. So you know what? You can. You did you can take just, uh, religion with Sister Margaret? I did not. I took uh, world religion. Um, it was one of the more mandatory classes, and I took I took a sex and religion class. I took it. I took it with that was pretty interesting. It looked. It looked. It looked at um, how sexuality and religion kind of kind of come together oh and one of our sessions she we went up to the the wrestling room in the, up at the pit center and did a buddhist meditation that's cool that was run by a nun hey and that's what i was like buddhism it's not like buddhism I, is, yeah buddhism can go anywhere like i know i know someone who's, who's, a, who's a buddhist and you know that's that's more of a, a way of thinking than, than anything else because you're exactly. not you know, I don't think there's a creation story and I don't think there's you know, nobody, you're, you're not necessarily worshiping Buddha. You're just kind of following, following the teachings, which is, which is fine. Like if, 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 if Christianity was just, I'm going to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, that's sounds a lot better to me than what it, what it seems to be to a lot of people. Yeah. I, I think it's for a lot of people, I think it's where you grew up, who, what, and what you were taught growing up and how you interpret it. If, um, I, I, I think I was fortunate enough to like get the more of the Jesus part of it than the fire and brimstone part of it growing up. So that's kind of where that's what stuck with you the most. Hey, when I was, I, I, I did a, I did a play with the whole gay Jesus in it. So, you know, tells you where I am. Jesus might've been gay. You don't know that. Yeah. Well, I, I did it. It was a, the play was called Corpus Christi. Um, and it was the, so the, the playwright for it is Terrence McNally. He wrote it after the execution death of Matthew Shepard. Um, and basically the premise is, hey, let's let's put the Jesus story in modern times. So Jesus was born in Corpus Christi, Texas in the 50s. And then he goes through high school. You, know, you see him at, you, know, you see the birth of Christ at the hospital with his you know, alcoholic father. And then you go uh, forward in time to high school and the awkward moments. Then you go to his teaching parts, wandering the dead and all that stuff. But ends up that Jesus and the disciples were all in the story anyway is all gay. And the whole point is like it doesn't matter who or what you love, is like the teaching is still the teaching. And now right, and that's the thing. There are there are some some good things about the teachings of Jesus. So there's a lot of good things about the teaching of Jesus. That's why it's hard to make fun of Jesus, right? Even 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 me who's who's an atheist <laughs> isn't gonna isn't gonna go around knocking Jesus, right? Because well, Jesus, I mean, Jesus did some groovy things. I don't know any atheist that knocks Jesus, honestly. He can't. He's, he's, he can't. Jesus is Jesus is great. Like you know, <laughs> Jesus was the man. Um, <laughs> I mean, but he he's got ropes. He's a hippie. It's his, it's his father. Like I have a problem with. <laughs> well, alleged. 
you know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I but, well, but yeah, the Catholic Church coming out says, hey, gay people can have civil unions. Like I said, they're not. You're right. You're not, they're not going to come out and say marriage because that's that's a sacrament. That's something that's like really, really serious to them. Give it another hundred years, we might get there. Give it maybe like twenty years, to be honest with you. The maybe way the way things are moving. Well, you guys get the net once the next generation comes up and comes more involved. Like if you know the generation behind us, the coming up in the church. Be, you know, listens to this message, gets more involved and their voice is more heard and they want more equality, then you get more push in that direction. And it really, you know, once the leadership listens to that and you get more progressive leaders in the church, you can get there eventually. Well, they're going to need it to exist. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Agreed, they're going to, they're going to need, they're going to need to change. We're all going to need to change. And like, like we said, we know that religion has changed over time. Right. We know it's even, you know, the word of God isn't is is malleable <laughs> let's put it that way it's, let's go back to the middle of the 20th century if you went to a, a before vatican ii if you went to a catholic mass it was all online right. you know it wasn't designed uh, up until um, people forget that i forget that all the time because you know so it wasn't until very recently that it was until the common lady the laid person could actually hear and read the words of god it was all online you didn't know what was happening. You just had to trust the priest. Um, it wasn't until that you had the Gutenberg press where you could print the Bible in English. And it was distributed that, the, you know, the common person could actually, who was able to read. Who was able to read back themselves. Then, right? That was a huge, when that happened, that was an uproar in the, in the Catholic church. Like the fact that the common person, like, oh, they, they can't be trusted with this. The, the fact that they were able to, the lady, the non- um, an ordained person was able to get a copy of the Bible and read it for themselves. It was like, it was considered blasphemy at the time. Well, there's a, there's a reason for that. <laughs> it's all about control. Well, yeah, well, when people start actually understanding it, some people might say, might reject it. And that's, that's not good right. for the church. Exactly. You might end up with like me. Right. Well, I mean, it, it has, it definitely has benefits because it's more accessible to people. Right. But then you're going to have, the, but then you're also going to have people like Martin Luther who are going to say like, wait a minute, these are all, we need to change things. And then you're going to have a, you know, then you're going to have a, a, a new church. Then also, if you look at different versions of the Bible, some include some books and some exclude certain books of the Old Testament too. Right. So it all depends on your, your flavor, right? Are you going to have the book of Ruth in there or not have the book of Ruth in there, you know? Um, so there's the Catholic Bible and then there's the other versions of the King James Bible. And, the, and even the translation from the original Greek um, into the original Hebrew and then to Greek, then to English, you have different translations. So some words, you know, okay, we're going to end on this because we're going over time now, but, you know, take the, one of the most common visual representations of the Bible story ever, the, the Moses parting the Red Sea. Like we've all seen the movie. He puts his arms out, the Red Sea parts. History of the World Part One. That was, that was my favorite interpretation. But. Well, that too. Except that, <laughs> Said the original text does not say the Red Sea. It says the Sea of Reeds. It's not talking about parting the Red Sea. It's talking about parting the Sea of Reeds, which is a swamp. Right. Completely different location, completely different quantity of water. You're talking about just making it so you can go over a swampland, not parting and having giant towers of water inside of you walking through. So the 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 size it of the sounds impressive though. It, it sounds impressive, but it's. <laughs> Um, but the thing. It's not as impressive as like, you know. Oh, we're just gonna get through a swamp. <laughs> just gonna... Oh, we're just gonna scurry over this, and then <laughs> I mean, the chariot wheels are still gonna get stuck in the swamp. So it's still good, but it's just and 
so it's just, <laughs> it's just like things like that. So, and, and think about how many times that's happened in the Bible where the translation of a word, because what the Hebrew text does and what the English text is, there's no equivalent words for some things. And so then the editor, when they're translating, it has to choose, well, am I going to use this version of the English word or that version of the English word? And it changes the entire meaning of the sentence. Well, you know, that, I mean, we go back to, um, you know, laying, laying, laying with another man. Like, was the, is that with another man or was that with a, a child? Because that's two different that's, things. That, that's what people are. And that's that's kind of what people are trying to trying to argue. Um, you know, right. What's the original text say? I don't know. Homosexuality. Because they have no we, nobody. Knows. What's the Hebrew? Let's look at the Hebrew because that's where you have to start from. And even that can be, you know, interpreted differently. Not only that, you know, think about it for generations. First, it was orally, you know, originally you, you translated all this information orally because you didn't have written texts. And then when you start writing it, you're writing it by hand. Everything's hand scribed. So transcribed from one copy to another by hand, there's errors, there's changes, so you've yeah, it's like the tele, it's like the you've telephone. All play the telephone like the game, telephone. right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a telephone game with with God's word, <laughs> basically. So, so who who? How do I know what the original wording? I mean, look, just in recent history, how much do we squabble over the the words in the Second Amendment? And that was written in plain English. Well, and yeah, because we are running really late. And but one last one last touch on, on <laughs> sorry, interpret- on, on interpretations. Um, you know when 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 you talk about like originality, uh, when you're interpreting the constitution, um, if that, if the constitution could be interpreted easily, you wouldn't need a Supreme court. Right. You wouldn't need a body to, to interpret the laws and how they, to how they apply to the constitution. Cause it would be, it would be set in stone. It would be simple, but it's, it's obviously not. So I, I think that's, yeah, that's a good place to end right there. Huh? Well, I mean, nothing, nothing simple. And if you ever read a pro, uh, program before, you know you can't um, anticipate every outcome either, every scenario. So you can't write, what I'm saying is you can't write a piece of document to write a law down if you can't anticipate every single scenario this law may apply to. 100%, yes. Yeah, that's why self-driving cars are so hard to make people. <laughs> we'll have them someday, <laughs> someday soon. Wait. But that's the thing, that's another thing too. Like, you know, whose fault is it going to be when a self-driving car gets to an accident? Is it the manufacturer or is it the, the, the operator? Should we talk about Tesla next week? Oh God. We can talk about, we can talk about uh, Bolivia. We should, we should talk, we about. talk about Elon Musk getting, Elon, Elon Musk is not happy. Evo Malaris won, won, won the election in Bolivia. He's, he's not going to get his lithium. Hey Elon, Elon, we're coming for you next week. Oh, Elon. We, Elon, we can. If you want to be on the show, let us know. You yes, can, Elon Musk on the. Yes, you can come out and you can make your argument. Elon Musk, we'll have Elon. you on the show. We're not going to smoke weed with you like Joe Rogan because we're not in the same room. But you can come on our show. <laughs> you're you're more than welcome. Joe Rogan can come on our show if he wants as well. Joe, Rogan, we're invite, we'll invite Anyone Joe can come on our show. Anyone, please. Anyone with anyone with a following. Get, get, get the <laughs> listeners. Anyone that has listeners. That people yeah, will tune no. in for if you put for right. those people who are listening thank you we, we do appreciate it we are, we're trying to grow the audience but it's beginning of the friend. show so it's slow to go tell your friends at this least we're doing better than quibi quibi is closed quibi's done quibi, yeah that and we didn't have we didn't have we don't have a billion dollars to sink into our our podcast no we don't if we had a billion dollars i guarantee you we, we'd have a better audience or we wouldn't be doing this podcast <laughs> well that too let's be that honest too. well thank you for listening to another episode of the generation's annual and spending the last hour and 20-ish minutes with us. 
Um, I'm Keith. This is Vinny over there. And uh, we're going to catch please, you next weekend. Plus you get, please subscribe to the, to the podcast. Next and, week is uh, going to be uh, our week. We're going to, we're going to have a episode right before the election. So it's going to be our final thoughts before going into the presidential election official day, even though the season's already started. And uh, even though, yeah, you voted two weeks ago, I'm voting tomorrow, but for all those out there who are still undecided tune in next week, go vote, but at least make sure you vote, make a plan, have a plan, make your plan, have a plan, vote, vote, vote. You need to have a plan to vote. Don't forget. I will vote.org. There's a lot of voting websites out there, but go Just find out. Google the right Just Google. How do I vote? Don't, don't uh, go to a false Dropbox for your ballots. If you're dropping it off, go to the official, look it up on your town's website to find out where the official box is and go there don't go to some other don't go to the library parking lot or um the dick sporting good parking lot that's not an official dropbox location all right that's it so listen take care